Welcome to Talk Cosmos, the show where Sue Rose Minahan and her panel of guests bring you leading-edge astrology conversations through a journey of soul growth patterns connecting astrology's energetic cycles. Get ready to understand your path in the cosmic roots of the stars. This is Talk Cosmos. I'm Sue Rose Minahan, your host. And I thank you so much for tuning in on Talk Cosmos YouTube channel or any podcast as this is November 7th. And tonight we have Planet Buzz, a wonderful panel of three that repeats every month. And when you subscribe, you'll find out exactly when we meet. And the subject tonight is aspects repeating. Now, when I wrote that down, I was really thinking there's a charm, which I wrote, meaning we're not going to just talk about aspects. We're talking about the entire idea of a repeating theme that astrology is filled with innumerously. And of course, we're not anticipating to try to teach except to illuminate, right? This is opening up the idea that we are in a changing world. Einstein, any metaphysical energy from Hermes, the ancient Hermes, the goddess of communication and so much more of Thoth and Egyptian, and it goes on and on and on, all understood that energy can never be destroyed. It's only changing. So when we have repeating patterns, it's amazing. Three. Okay. We are ready for Planet Buzz. Focusing on planetary ecliptic orbital cycles and planetary pairs called synodic cycles connecting the planets at the same degree that begin our relationship, these are the members of Planet Buzz. I'm Sue Rose Minahan, host of Talk Cosmos, an evolutionary astrologer and consultant, plus a certified color energy coach. I explore creative expression as an artist, a musician, and write abundantly stories to poetry. I love investigating mythology's language, philosophizing eternity, and I'm a perpetual student of life, seeing oneness of body, spirit of people, animals, and nature. I'm Leslie Francis, author of the 2019 and 2020 Llewellyn Sunshine books, a practicing professional astrologer intuitive, a lecturer, and host of my own podcast, Coloring Outside the Box. My lifelong search to understand what it is to be human led me to develop my own approach to astrology called purpose-centered astrology. I passionately seek to support people in their greatest act of creativity, living life, through consultations and webinars. Creator of Star Cards, I love talking and making people laugh. And I'm Dr. Laura Tad. I have a PhD in human science and work as a spiritually oriented psychological astrologer with people around the world. I teach and lecture on astrology both in person and remotely. I have a blog. I have written for the Mountain Astrologer, Celestial Vibes, and Tarot.com. Additionally, I am the educational coordinator for Live Life Resources, an educational nonprofit specializing in resiliency training, education, and research. And as the ancient Hermetic Code reveals, as below, so above, as above, so below. Hello. Hi, Leslie. Hi, Laura. It's so great to see you. Yes. Absolutely. mm -hmm. And three, 
where to begin? I guess really we've in our discussion, as we've mentioned, there's various ways to look at it. One way would be when an asp when some transiting planet, I mean, this is very brief. This is not going into the natal chart exactly, except when it keeps bumping up against one of our planets, especially one of our outer planets, you know, or else it's going across our ascendant. Because I think, Laura, what inspired this was you were relating once when one of the powerful planets, I don't remember what, was going across your ascendant once, twice, you know, it was just like forever. Of course, yeah. So, but it, it is when we look at our life from an astrological view, because we can look at our ephemeris, and then that's our Bible of, of, of like a kind of like a where people that go to the water, the tides, like the tides every day for people, of course, they might know the ephemeris, but it accounts for every degree that the sun, the moon, all the planets, whatever is out there in the sky, every degree, every day, what it's doing. So we can see from that astrological viewpoint that there's a reason why we're really getting forced to deal with something because it's wanting to talk to us a lot. Well, it's really interesting because when you brought this theme up, I hadn't really thought about it for, for a long time, although it was part of my basic uh, astrological education that if you're looking at a chart, you need to see if something it, a particular theme is repeated more more than once because and it was the principle of three if you see it three times and i i think that 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 may have its origins i could be wrong in horary astrology so a horary chart is one in which you ask a question and you seek an answer and you need to see not one thing that confirms the answer but three things and that that seems to hold true as well if you're looking at a natal chart and maybe looking at your own natal chart, because sometimes, and we will, we find these things out when we're going through transits and pro progressions. So something only makes, um, say you only have one aspect uh, at, uh, between two particular planets. Well, when something transits either one, you may not feel that as strongly as you would if, uh, say, for instance, in my chart, uh, the moon aspects everything. So uh, so for me, when anything's transiting any of the planets in my chart, my moon is going to get triggered in some way, shape, or form. That's powerful. And I totally agree. And I welcome and thank you for bringing that up about horary because I am fascinated and study some. And yes, it is true that it really makes it evident you know, if, if, as a example, so, and there's so many ways though in the chart to see that power. Well, I'm not sure about the verbiage, but to see a correlation of three, because I think Laura, you were mentioning to it, it, it which well, I'd love. Yeah. To so even in a, a very simple way, um, and my mic is not working suddenly. Oh, um, we can hear you. Sound okay. Great. <laughs> it's, it's not playing through the headset. So oh, I dear. don't know how it's working. Because um, it One tells me street. it's using the Yeti mic, but it's clearly not. But anyway, Mercury recently went direct. We still are in some shadow energy, so that may be what's going on. Um, but thinking about, you know, again, going back to some of like the basics when you're learning astrology, that, um, 
you know, Mars is always having a degree of intensity, regardless of how it's, regardless of sign, regardless of how it's aspected. But you put Mars in Scorpio in the eighth and you get that trilogy showing up and there's no way out of that intensity, that Mars being incredibly intense because you're getting it in that triplicity. Um, where if you put that, even just one shift of that, if that Mars is in the eighth, but it's in Cancer, it's really different. The intensity shifts dramatically in that triplicity changing. Um, and so looking at those themes, or it can be, you know, I, yeah, this, there's a that where I, like the rule of three of how I was first taught it, was sort of looking at things that in a natal chart of it being a possibility and that once you get into the the theme showing up, the archetypal theme showing up three times, it is pretty much like it's an unavoidable given versus a probability. And I am, I agree. And I love both of these. They're absolutely what I have heard and strong and for myself as i learn new techniques i think that is what fascinates me is to see it replicated some theme that i already know exists and i think oh well of course how could i have doubted this uh, and often on a personal level right because we're looking at our own chart you know to try to understand this theme to begin with or this technique rather and you go oh my, it's all over the place so, um, <laughs> yeah, no, this is powerful. And you can't it, escape it. That's it. So why question it? Because I think there is within a lot of astrology, and this is as a comment for oneself, one wonders, well, why am I have to be this way? Well, <laughs> you know, and uh, when you see that this the nature of how that it wants to be expressed and in different ways, you still have choices of how you're going to illustrate that. But it does, it helps. It's like put the plant that wants shade under a tree. Don't put it out on the porch where it's going to get all the sun. You know, that type of idea, right? So threes. We also have Mercury retrograde. That's another idea of these threes. And we can go back and forth with all these ideas. But that's the standard one that globally people three times a year even will experience this planet of communication. Uh, well, that, the principle of three works in the retrogradation of any planet because it backs up and goes over the same point three times. Yeah. Um, it, it's interesting because I, I, we did talk a little bit before about what the number three might be, and the number three is actually about communication. <laughs> if you're talking, looking at it from a numerological point of view. Well, would you say, and I like this, because I think numerology is, of course, strong in many respects, Facts. You know, it's the golden mean that creates beauty and it's the Fibonacci and goes on and on with all the relationships. But if you have one just as a code word, leadership, and two as partnership, you know, as this and that, the three, which is communication, would you say then that that's between spirit and the self of, of, of bringing in that third 
element. Hadn't really thought about it. What do you think, Laura? Um, possibly. Where I go more with thing it in an astrological sense is but we have three modes, oh, right? Yes. Cardinal, okay. fixed, mutable, and. Unless something is at the very end or very beginning of, or the two bodies are at the very end and very beginning of the sign, all trines occur in the same mode. And a trine is either easily communicating, mm. right? That's what the trine means is that there's this ease of communication between the archetypes, between the planets, between the trining signs. And so that's more of how I see it than because that brings in more of this trilogy. Um, to me, then mind, body, spirit would be a trilogy. But yes, yes. body, spirit is a I duality. Yeah, because I was thinking of the twins with Castor and, and Pollux, one mortal, immortal. And when, they, when the mortal one died, of course, then they got they exchange, but it's that spiritual communication between the body and the soul. But trines and modality, just that would be folks when it's all air, any of the elements, the three signs of air, three signs of earth or water. Not the modes aren't that. The modes are. No, no, no. Well, that's true. It would be. Those are the elements. Thank you. Yes, but what she said was that all the, the trines take place in, in the same the mode. Same. Trines take place in the same mode. Well, you have... Yeah, no, yeah, the mode, same. Is, well, the mode, like, let's say you have... Or, yes, same elemental, yeah. The same element, yeah, because, yes. okay. Sorry, Sorry, folks. And we're just going to describe see? that, which is okay, because elements is earth, water, fire, yeah. water. And so apparently other, Mercury, Mercury is still... Making life difficult for us. <laughs> well, is this is this issue? Yeah. Because so it's modes are Libra squares and oppositions, and modes yeah. are squares and oppositions, and there's yeah. this trilogy of with the trine with the elemental piece. In yeah. Terms of so modes, just a, for a uh, description, would be which I love. I'm so glad you brought this up, Laura. And that is, again, just repeat the cardinal, the action energy just going spirit and or and then fixed it finds a little spot it wants to roost and form and be and then something wants to change it and tear it down because it can't live that long anyway form doesn't live forever and it breaks up to find another place to go to <laughs> I, I love that trilogy well actually I, I i think the way the sequence really works on an energetic level is it begins with mutable which is the conceptual things floating around, creative part moving into the uh, cardinal, which is takes action and the fixed sign completes things. I like and that. And then the I, cycle begins again. Well, then we could think that truly Pisces could be the beginning because it is the womb, and from the womb comes the seed that sparks out. Yes, that's one thought. I mean, it could be at any point, it could be, but with that thought of mutable. Well, you know, how I came to that was because of all the research that Michelle Gokalan did in which he discovered that all of the people who really excelled at things had had planet, mm -hmm. the, this, the planet that was 
a significator for that particular accomplishment was in a mutable house, not a cardinal house. So well, that started the... me thinking about how the energy actually flows, because sometimes we forget that the chart is fluid and we, mm -hmm. and we want to, you know, we want to have barriers and houses and, and all these things. And we then start to, and I know when I was first studying, if you can't break it down in pieces to start out with, you'll never learn it. But the key becomes recognizing that things flow. They don't, you know, it's, it, how, how can I say this? It's, it's almost like when you get, so if you're moving into the first house, you don't need a key to open the door. <laughs> you're just going to flow across the threshold. I don't know if that made any sense. I think it's beautiful. I think it's beautiful. I, I, I'm an abstract mind. <laughs> and I do do a relate a lot of things. And I think that's an excellent way of describing it. Um, Laura, did you have, I was thinking of some stuff, but did you have something you wanted to say? Are you thinking? No. Okay. No, I mean, I just, yeah, I'm hoping people are clear on the, on the modes. I mean, there's different ways of thinking about them, right? The way I was taught was that cardinal signs launch seasons all the cardinal signs are the first days of a season regardless of hemisphere right it gets flipped in the southern hemisphere it's still the first day of it's the same sign just to opposite season um and the fixed signs are the middle of seasons so it's the most intense time of the season Right, first day of summer, not the hottest day of the year. The hottest day of the year is going to be when we're in Leo in the northern hemisphere, and then the the season is shifting and transitioning in the mutable signs. It's in that transitional, malleable, mutable, non-tactile energy period of time. Right, so that's that's how I was first taught the the. Me too. Yeah. Been, looking at them in that that way power of threes i think i'm also thinking the sun moon from earth standpoint there's a sun and the moon the luminaries that are so powerful and earth might be the third um because it is from our relationship if we well, okay, it's, we, it certainly factors into the solar lunar cycle. Yeah, there wouldn't oh, be a solar lunar cycle if there wasn't an Earth. Yes, an eclipse. Right, every eclipse has to involve solar or lunar eclipse has to involve the Earth because it's all in relation. Yeah. So when we think, okay, just to retract because it could go from anywhere. This is a very broad basis, but we have uh, themes within the the chart, the reoccurrence of an aspect to our chart or, uh, or an event, you know, because events have charts too. Um, or it could be um, the retrograde, which the, in, that, in that point, when that retrograde and it goes back to a point, especially when it's attached to your own chart, you know, it's very... Um, well, so here's what happens as we're discussing this and and uh, it, it, it's obvious that the, the, the theme of three is a very powerful theme within the context of the whole astrological language. And, there, and, and I hope we're not confusing people because 
you know, our brains tend to bounce a little. Um, <laughs> but all we're really talking about is, you know, our observations and some of the things that are spontaneously popping into our head about how the theme of three manifests itself in astrology. And that it has power. Exactly. And rather than, and, and I think too, to recognize the purpose of, of events that they're not isolated, that they can be connected and connected. Um, and there is the personal, there's the mundane, as we were talking about, which again toggles in my mind between what is personal and what is mundane, because a lot of personals make the mundane, you know, I mean, it's people. And uh, but for instance, I know when I was studying the dwarf planets in a series here, it's difficult to learn sometimes a new concept and how does it apply and what's the meaningfulness and you read a little snatch of it, but what does that mean until, and this happens to be with Alan Clay, who's a New Zealand astrologer and initially wrote his book on Sedna and he was a clown, wrote a great uh, for 30 years and wrote a one, one of the classics on clowning, which is quite fascinating. But in that class, we, the last class involves putting the transits, our personal transits of that dwarf planet to perhaps um, major planets like Saturn, which is always a tells something and, or Pluto, which changes something and vice versa when those planets might be um, transiting the dwarf planet, whatever they are. Cause there was quite a few dwarf planets that were discovered as far as, we're aware in around 2003 to 2006 and whenever it was three times it was like my personal diary was opening up in front of me it was so significant and it would spread out over a period of time and as you were mentioning a theme in one's life you know like a phase so it's it, it, it can happen in many different ways in this, I, you know, so it's a strong, it, it ties it together, brings more meaningfulness to us. And I think, isn't that, I'm hoping part of the reason to talk as we are, as abstract as it might seem, but it's tied together with that idea of how meaningful. Well, maybe at some point we could share a, a theme from our personal charts that would give people some idea of how, um, because it, it, it is a concept that is so basic to astrology, but as, as we were discussing before, sometimes we lose sight of those things. And, you know, um, I see my brain just went. No, you know, Leslie, I love <laughs> that. And, and to tie that together, I think immediately, is this idea of in our chart, we have a phase between any two planets. In other words, when we were born, like typically people look at the sun and the moon and they, uh, many astrologers consider that to be a paramount theme, just that phase in your astrology. And I'm not saying it's not, but not all astrologers think of that first, whereas some do. That's all I was trying to present. But the fact is, if it, let's say they're trine or let's say they're square, trine would be that flowing 60 degrees, same element probably that we're talking about square would be where it's in a mode of 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 um, the same mode but uh, fixed for instance but needing to work to get through and whenever 
the sun and the moon come up in that similar phase, it relates to us, even though it may not be in our signs. I think we were talking about that. Yes. So we experience this, this repeating theme, even if it isn't in threes, it could be seven. Like I think also, Laura, you mentioned when we were inspired, when I got inspired about this was that some planet had gone across your ascendant seven times early on. It could have been Pluto, which I identify with because also in my twenties, I had Pluto entering my first house and it was pretty pivotal. And I have to look back and see how many times it actually went across my, my ascendant or if it knocked my moon or my Neptune around a lot, which that could have been the issue. So well, try having Pluto retrograde conjunct your ascendant within a degree for your whole life. And then it finally, and then it finally goes direct just be, for on your ascendant just before your 71st birthday. So you are, you are direct now. Are you talking about yourself? Yeah. So it, it, I guess what I'm trying to say is, is there's mm -hmm. a lot of different, um, like obviously if certain things are going to have an impact and we're, and I'm digressing and I'm sorry I went off track because this is no, not a no, theme no. of three, but it's not. It's a fact of, of no. But that, that's a theme of of of, of 70, 70 years having Pluto retrograding over your ascendant. Yeah, it's twenty-one times, twenty-one times three, I think, or something. No, I mean, sort yeah. of, but not really sort of like that. No, yeah, true, true. <laughs> okay, well, scrap. Sorry, folks. Delete, delete. But I do think that um uh, the idea of repeating signatures has essence in itself. So up until the 71st birthday, goodness knows how many times somebody could have repeating. And this is another shift of a pattern. That's all. It's a revealing, you know, so. It yeah. And, and I re and I actually really feel it. Like I really feel a significant difference, mm -hmm. which is unusual because I, I you know, I, I, you know, I, after a while, you stop looking to see how old you're going to be when it finally goes direct. And, you know, because it's been conjunct my ascent within a degree my whole life, I thought, well, you know, what, what, how is that possibly going to feel any different? But it does. Well, thinking of retrograde going direct, since I have three planets that are retrograde natally, uh, Mercury, uh, Jupiter, and I think Neptune, I should know, but I'm sure it's Neptune. Um, Jupiter is the only one that will never go direct unless I live to 105 and you never know, but I don't think so. It's going to be retrograde. But I, looking back on the ephemeris and understanding those periods of time, it was illuminating. I can distinctly remember a shift in consciousness. It just makes you go out of the... It becomes visceral. That's what I'm saying. So much of this and, and the intention to make astrology essential as, as a, in its mystical way, because it is a bit. Mm -hmm. No. And I just think that looking, you know, we're, tonight we're talking about patterns. I, I mean, the, the principle of three and we're obviously including other principles of Lara with her, with her, Pluto over her ascendant seven times, and she's still here to talk about it. 
and the better for it. <laughs> but but I th I just think it's really a fascinating thing because there are so there's so much to astrology. There's so many um, you can't ever exhaust in your whole lifetime everything that you could possibly explore, even in your own birth chart. However, yes. it is lovely sometimes to be reminded of the, of the essentials. And, and I think the principle of three is an essential, you know, uh, you're going to find the major themes in your life should repeat at least three times. I think that's a great ending as we have about half a minute as, or well, not quite, but as we're beginning to drift to our little break that we take at the half hour but this is important to collect the data one could think of to see where it's recurring and so talking about that which i know laura you were bringing up from training and it seems donna cunningham is comes to my mind too as to one of the teachers of that but this idea but i've heard many astrologers remind a principle of three as they give maybe a lecture that really it is a matter of tying in these. And I think of it often as a prism or a house where you just look into the, you either look in or you look out, depending from different angles. You have a doorway, you have a window, or else you have different sides of the prism, you know, giving different light. But it's still the same prism. It's the same house. But you're seeing a different angle that connects that embodiment. Is that too abstract? No. <laughs> oh, good. Well, thank you. I think we'll come back and we'll take just a little moment. And this is November 7th with Planet Buzz with Dr. Laura Tad and Leslie Francis. Leslie's in Canada. We're so glad. And I'm Sue Roshini and we'll be right back. Okay. Thank you. we take a break from this week's edition of Talk Cosmos, let's take a look at this cycle's archetype. We are currently in the yin period of Scorpio, traditionally ruled by Mars, now ruled by Pluto. By departing a cycle based on comparison between extreme energies finding balance, Scorpio commits a relationship to exchange resources, experiencing power and powerlessness for the purpose of soul growth transformation. As a fixed water sign that is extreme, intense, and secretively deep, Scorpio's passionate nature questions the psychology and mystery concerning life and death. Old world travelers never began a journey without a compass. And today, smart travelers won't leave home without a map or GPS to navigate the journey ahead. But when it comes to your journey through life, how do you get your guidance? By aligning numerology and astrology's wisdom. Combining numerology with astrology offers a great spectrum of insightful meaning for your personal yearly, monthly, and daily numbers. And to help you navigate these numbers to discover your best daily route, numerologist Liz Muschette, along with Gloria Riley, an Egyptian numerologist, and intuitive consultant Jenny L. Sinclair have co-authored the book, Gateways to Change, 2018 and beyond. Keys to navigating the seas of life using numerology and astrology. In addition to the book, 
Liz is also hosting a Gateways to Change workshop this fall, which complements the book to guide you to your life's journey and explore how to use the resources offered in the book. Copies of the Gateways to Change are included in the registration fee. The Gateways to Change book is now available to order on Amazon. And to register for the workshop, you can contact Liz at her website, alightpath.com, or send her an email at liz, L-I-Z, muschette, M-U-S-C-H-E-T-T, at gmail.com. Let Liz be your compass as you continue your journey here on Earth. Talk Cosmos brings you leading-edge astrological conversations with hour-long programs each week on KKNW. The show goes live every Sunday from 1 to 2 p.m. Pacific. Talk Cosmos weekly programs are also available to watch live on Facebook and YouTube, along with daily chats throughout the week on the Talk Cosmos YouTube channel. While you're there, make sure you click like and subscribe buttons so you can get the full Talk Cosmos experience. Or, if you'd rather listen to the show archives with audio only, the entire podcast collection since 2018 is available on most podcast carriers. So, grab your coffee, tea, or kombucha and enjoy the show. Hi there, this is Mark Worgen, your astral medium from Las Vegas, Nevada, and you're listening to Talk Cosmos on Alternative Talk, 1150 AM, where we discuss the meaningfulness of our roots in the stars. Find out the latest about your favorite shows on Alternative Talk 1150. Check out 1150kknw.com. Well, hello again. Yes, I'm so glad. You know, we needed a long break there because I just regrouped. And I realized, my goodness, do you know it was this year that we have Saturn square Uranus three times? And... The first time was on Valentine's Day, February 14th, then, which seems like an eternity ago. And then the last time was June 14th. I have no reference of time, it seems. Maybe sitting on the island, or maybe just because life has changed so much as far as my routine. And the next one, the third one, will be on Christmas Eve, December 24th. Oh, that's, joy. That's, yeah, this is really big. This is like exactly what we're talking about. Don't, don't. Well, that don't. that is that really is. Don't expect the kind of Christmas you normally. No, well, most Christmases these days, it's either been an eclipse or it's been something. It seems like it's huge. Yeah, the huge uh, titans, the two titans, you know, from mythology, Uranus, the sky, the goddess of the god of the sky of uh, of the heavens, and. Saturn, the timekeeper. Yeah, I wonder if maybe, maybe we're already seeing that in the news, even though it hasn't happened yet, that they're yes. saying stop now because of the supply chain issue, that there won't be the things you want to be giving people for Christmas because they're that. So Saturn being physical things in many ways. Restricted too. Restricted. Well, I, I guess and there'll Uranus. be a lot of gift cards given. <laughs> Yeah, having and, to and like come up with new ways of, of giving things or, or exactly. new types of things yeah. that are given because of the supply chain issue that is a technological problem, which is Uranus governs and um, be, that lack of the lack of chips re resulting in a lack of things. 
Well, you know, it's funny. My my friend in London was just telling me that in Britain, they're, they're, everybody's having a panic attack because there might not be enough turkeys. Well, for, Britain for, does for Christmas does, dinner. There is yes. You know, really, it is astounding to me that flashes right back to the idea that when all the COVID started, the nodes were in Cancer, North Node in Cancer. We all went home. It all had to do about our family. It had to do about our security. And now we have the North Node in Gemini, so it's about transportation. But amazingly, and it's nothing new in astrology except that everybody is experiencing this on a huge pandemic global theme so that it gets so intensified that now it's um, food is not getting transferred. So I wonder to myself, gee, in January, it'll be, we'll go to Taurus. Anyway, we'll all have our little plots of, of green, but it is, but it's one memory. <laughs> I was about, you know, planning, but, but the turkeys represent that tradition and the memories and, you know, so much that, signifies you know like i can't gives you something tangible to well and they're talking here the shortage of christmas trees right so again like that's it's the with the supply chain problems right so okay you got to come up with new traditions because you might not be able to do what you've always done time to invent using that uranus energy that's all about invention saying, yeah, the old way really isn't working. Stop trying to make it work and fit the square peg in the round hole. You have to reinvent. And especially since Saturn is in the sign of Aquarius. So really the two, the old and the new are clashing against, you know, Saturn of tradition until I think it was 17 and trying to remember what was 74. 17 i keep trying to memorize that number 82 84 when uranus was discovered that now rules for modern astrology 1789 okay 1789 well i thought it was a little earlier the french revolution well it was almost discovered and then it was discovered it's got a oh (laughs) so it is really um significant i'm just thinking about the the third is the 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 threes of this i was thinking of some other stuff actually well but so in keeping with that idea of like so we get this three times that in some ways there's a real gift in that right because the Mm -hmm. first time maybe it felt really jarring and we were still deep in the pandemic and people didn't know when what if and when anything was going to open up again or what that was going to look like. Vaccines were not sort of readily available to everybody yet. That was still in this very sort of maybe, we don't know, we'll see malleable energy, even though they're both in fixed signs. Um, And then, okay, by summer, okay, nope. Okay, here's the shift. We've got the technology to be rolling this out, right? We're really wanting this to happen at this large scale. Or And we're learning how to work and exist, not even just the vaccines, but how to exist in this new reality of, okay, yeah. how do we manage? Can we have who, summer? Well, who can work, can keep working from home? Who can't, who mm. has to go back to the office? What schools are going to open? What schools are going to stay remote? All, you know, those, the, those details that Saturn likes to have control over 
right? Um, being re there's it's this constant moving target having this square re re up every yes you know four months or so five months when and it was in the, if I might say it's retrograde just for folks listening because the first one was direct the second one's always retrograde and and this one they're both direct again and sometimes you get multiple aspects with things and they aren't both retrograde it happened to be Oh, that was, okay. right. Okay. That isn't always the case, mm. um, or they aren't. They don't always retrograde at the same. They don't. They don't move at the same speed, right? Uranus oh, takes eighty-four years to go around the zodiac. It's not going to be direct. It, Uranus won't be direct. Uranus no, but Saturn. Saturn, I think Saturn's di Saturn's direct now. So Saturn. But it was retrograde then. Hmm. Yes, okay. I believe so. But Uranus doesn't go direct. I think it, it goes direct like right then, right? Is it Uranus or Neptune that doesn't go direct till January? I'm not uh, one of the two. I'll look at my book it, here. It's Uranus. Yeah. Yeah. So Uranus will still be retrograde. It doesn't go direct until January. I was thinking 18th. more of the slower yeah. planet, which was um, Saturn, although they're both, you know, the slower planet. It's, it's, and Uranus I, is the slower for... planet of the two. But so now I'm eager to hear the sequel. Your 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 thoughts. Well, so, I, so Saturn, we're maybe able to be a little more pragmatic in how we do things because it's direct and we're able to lay some groundwork, but Uranus is still gonna be retrograde, so it could still all be upended. It's gonna be a square and Uranus well, isn't well done being retrograde. Yes, Leslie. Well, I, but but the opportunity exists to um, ref, as you were discussing when we're talking about supply chain issues, to reframe. Uh, oh yes. What you know, because Uranus and Taurus is it 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 it's good. if you don't, and it's odd to say this since it's in Taurus, but. You got to be prepared to. It's interesting because I, you know, as a journalist, I, I, I once went to a workshop by one of the pioneers of the codependency movement, and he said, you know, change is inevitable, growth is optional. Mm. Which was a complete shock to me as an Aquarius. It's like, aren't those two the same thing? <laughs> but anyway, um, so I think that what's going to happen when, when Saturn goes direct is, are, are you prepared to reframe things? Or, or, or are you going to, you know, do what people have been doing, which is, you know, there's this whole, you know, with Jupiter and Aquarius too, all this stuff about freedom and what's my person, what is personal freedom? How, yes. how, do, how, how can you be responsible for yourself, but also remember that you're part of a community and we're still struggling with that one. Well, you can't, so, no, go ahead. So, so it's going to be really interesting to see, how um and because saturn is is um okay it's the what's what would you say the phasal relationship is that that's a first 
Is oh. that a close? That that's actually a, a last quarter. Yeah, yeah, last third quarter. quarter. So what is the last quarter about? Let go of the shit you don't need. Well, that's it. And that thank you, right? Leslie. That that segues right into what's been burning inside because I'm remembering that Aronis is in Taurus of values besides money, which for some it equals, but it's values. So when I think about that Christmas tree on a very personal level whoever I might be upsetting. Uh, it just, well, and I, did I do it? Oh, I did this year. I cut, I bought a tree that was actually cut, which is very unusual. I'm in Hawaii and I did a little tiny tree. My husband likes Christmas. I would just not do that. But I've often thought, get a planted tree. Or my grandmother used to just have a bow in, in, in her tiny little apartment. But the point is, regardless of how we look at it, what an opportunity to come up with the real values, to scrutinize and say, and decondition that good old Saturn turn. Is that really what I always felt was so valuable? Or is that something that's been handed to me, like cutting off the ends of the turkey into the pan because grandma and grandma and whoever did it just because the pan was too tiny, right? Not necessary to do the old thing. So really it's a chance to be liberated. It's true. And to, the underside of that is some mourning. Because I think regardless of what we're so liberated at, there's a little mourning, just like the birth comes out and you have to snip the umbilical cord. Not that I've birthed a child, but that's the essence. Well, but I think too, you can lean into that square, lean into like, wow, how exciting rather than grief. Mm -hmm. Like you get to totally reinvent things. It can be really expansive. It can be breaking out of like, instead of wearing clothes, you've outgrown because you like the, you know, you, that don't fit you anymore. Right. Or that you, you lost a lot of weight and why are you wearing clothes that are three sizes too big? Right. Like it can go either way. Or you and just don't use them. You don't use them. It's, you know, I've had a dress that's sitting in my closet I haven't worn in 10 years. Why is it there? Do I ever imagine wearing a, wow. a blue dress with lots of tulle and lace? Probably I want to see that dress. I may have to bring it to Norwalk, but... Yeah, I know. It's, you're, you're really stepping on absolute truth of us and again i was just reading an article that ray sap who has recently bought the mountain astrologers since tim passed and it's wonderful it's about uh aries it's a current one and it was about rather than slay the dragon befriend the dragon and i have it here without going in but but the whole idea of of that with Mars and Libra and the idea that uh, we're Libra of the duality is like the hunter and the hunt, the hunted and the hunter, which I find so fascinating because I always think of the two and not quite in that frame, but it's, it works. And rather than the Western mentality of, of, of the dragon is to slay it, Whereas maybe in Chinese or other cultures, it's like a great gift of friendship. It's like thinking of to the idea that the nodes are like the head and the tail, you know, Oranus that never uh, 
bites its tail and continues. So this idea of leaning into reinventing and, uh, you know, so it can be really exciting, but I think some of that gets played into people's individual astrology, right? You can't divorce that from it. For me, I'm like so full in Uranus transits that like, you know, Uranus, I'm just on the other side of my Uranus opposition. It's conjunct. Well, it goes direct on my South node, you know, right? Like I'm, I've been in the last year and a half, it's all been, yes, there's the pandemic and there's what's been going on and there's the Saturn, but I would have been in like total craziness anyway, because I'm in a Uranus opposition on my nodes. Like there's oh. no way out of my life being in this massive reinvention. Yes. And so for me, it's like leaning into, okay, well, what do I want? And if I had a magic wand, what do I want to create? And it doesn't mean I'll get it but it's really important to know what I want if I had that magic wand. You know, which makes me realize Saturn at six degrees, which is what it returned to. I mean, that is like, as you know, it's, it, 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 it retrograded back to that. So that was this point as it goes forward is exactly on my part of fortune in, Aqu in Aquarius. I hadn't thought of, thinking of our chart, you know, how that it's just one element that I was trying to relate to what's Aranus doing in my chart and how is that? Um... Oh, yes, that's right. Aranus is square... <laughs> <laughs> squaring my Pluto. Thank you. <laughs> and I think well, is it yours, Leslie? Is, is squaring mine is like zap, zap. Right yeah, but your Pluto is much earlier than mine. Mine's at 16 degrees. Oh, well, mine's 14. And so it's right between 11th and 8th house. Never mind. Is... I, I've got a stellium in Aquarius. Saturn is, <laughs> I've had a really Saturn moon year and I could list all. And, and this is when a theme does okay. repeat mm. again and again. Progressive. I got, I had progress moon go over my progress Saturn. Go over my natal Saturn. Yeah, it it, it plus I transiting that. Saturn got close. It was within a degree and a bit of conjuncting my natal Moon. Yes, it's like very interesting. Okay, <laughs> and <laughs> and yet some interesting things have come out of that Saturn Uranus square because I'm an Aquarius and a Saturn Uranus square is even more important if if you in, see both planets as ruler of Aquarius. It's like, okay, so are things, there's also an element, are, are things from the past, things that have been hanging out, are, are they gonna come to fruition? Because squares can bring things in, they Definitely. can make things happen. So, and, and, Saturn transiting Saturn's in my sixth house and transiting Uranus is in my intercepted 10th house. So what, what, what did I do this year? I joined the board of a college an astrology an astrological college. Which and, is the international Academy of astrology. Yes. Yes. So again, you know, the, the whole, sometimes we get a little excited uh, 
because instead of, you know, it, it's almost like Laura said, leaning into the energies that are present yes, and feeling them, not just thinking about them, feeling them and, and recognizing uh, what opportunities is it going to bring? And sometimes when Uranus is involved, you actually don't know. You just, it's kind of like the Saturn part is, like I always say to people, if, you, if you've been able to solve problems in your life, why do you think you won't be able to solve them if something crops up now? It's very, very sage advice, yes, to realize <laughs> one's own history of, 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 of looking at it. What I'm remembering, though, too, is this business of resistance. The fact is right now they're both in fixed signs, and I'm just thinking that at times, I, depending on the signs, like this particular between Saturn in Aquarius and Uranus, both rulers of Aquarius, but the old and the new rulers and at square one in Taurus, but resistance, you know, with a fixed, because it is fixed. It gets back to our- Well, and, and, and the biggest challenge for Aquarius energy is resistance, partly because, you know, it has to be my idea. You can't push me into something. Yeah. So I, I once had a therapist who said to me, because I was talking to her about a friend who had a psychologist who gave her homework. And I said, homework? She And she said to me, my therapist said to me, well, Leslie, you'll notice I only ever give you suggestions. Yeah, <laughs> right. And, oh. and that is really one of the best ways to think about how that energy functions. It is... Uh, is Rather than thinking that someone is trying to push you in a, in a particular direction, Uranus comes along, I think, with suggestions of where the change might needs to be. <laughs> and if you don't pay attention, out comes the stick of dynamite. Right. Well, and that's where that retrograde, the rule of three, the getting things multiple times, you know, I often tell clients like, the gods get louder when you don't listen, right? So you get a little whisper, you get some hints, maybe some themes or ideas of, of ways you could change things in your life, even bleed through in a dream or just like a passing thought while you're in the shower. And then, you know, you don't listen, you don't take action and it becomes, it can reach a point where it's unavoidable. And you have to make the change. You have to, I mean, that was like the ridiculous numbers of hits I had to my Pluto ascendant. <laughs> and it was five exact hits, but it was got with an orb, you know, with other retrogrades. So still counts. Yep. Um, <laughs> and the most intense one was a car accident because I was literally going in the wrong direction with my life and I had to change. Wow. And you did. You actually changed schools and directions. And how illuminating. So here we have Christmas Eve coming up. I have wonderful Leslie Francis of Canada and Dr. Laura Tad of Georgia and myself, Sue Rose Minahan. And next week we have Cosmic Collaboration. But it is tune in again to Talk Cosmos. Remember, Third's a charm. And we'll reinvent and we'll We'll be together. We'll be together and we'll keep working on 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 the reverberations because thanks, thanks so much. Thank you.
Thank you for joining us on Talk Cosmos, the show where Sue Rose Minahan and her panel of guests connect soul growth patterns with the energetic cycles of astrology. Be sure to tune in next Sunday at 1 p.m. Pacific Time to continue your journey through the roots of the cosmic pathway. 